the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much. Past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 17th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan for laying it all out for us. I told you we were loaded up with great presenters today. And joining me now is one of them. I have not had the privilege of having uh, the Reverend Bryant on this program before, but my, oh my, the rave reviews I got from those in attendance at the Ohio Liberty Coalition event this past Saturday for uh, Reverend C.L. Bryant. He's a pastor, he's a motivational speaker, he's the creator and star of the Runaway Slave movie, and he's a senior fellow at FreedomWorks, perhaps first and foremost. Well, no, I doubt that, because I think he would say he's a lover of God, family, and freedom, first and foremost. Reverend C.L. Bryant joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Reverend, good to have you on the program here in Cleveland. How are you, good sir? I'm doing fantastically well. Glad to be on with you. Thank you. My friend Dan Ramada, who is another speaker at the Ohio Liberty Coalition event on Saturday, contacted me and said, Bob, you've got to talk to Reverend Bryant. You guys are two peas in a pod. He said, our ideologies and our viewpoints and our expressions are just about identical. And I said, well, this I have to make happen. Uh, so, Reverend, good, good news is it's not like we have a shortage of things to talk about since uh, you spoke on Saturday. Uh, let me dive right in and ask you, is the President of the United States, when he tweets at the four big-mouth, small-minded uh, freshman uh, representatives of, of the Democrat Party in the House, and he tells them, go back to the country you came from and fix that government first, speaking specifically of Ilhan Omar, show us how good you are at fixing governments there before you come here and try to change one that already works. Were those comments, Reverend Bryant, racist? Absolutely not. Uh, in a situation that we are in, in this country, a country where there are people actually using the ancient tool of racism 
to divide our nation. The president is simply speaking the truth about what most Americans feel about those who do not love this country. I'm the farthest thing that you can imagine as far as a white supremacist is concerned or uh, someone who is uh, pushing the mantras of white supremacists. And I'm saying to you that is not a racist statement. It is a factual statement that all of us as Americans had better be vigilant about in order to preserve our liberty and our freedom. Finally, we have a president who's not afraid to speak his mind and to speak on behalf of our great republic. Why are every, why is every member of the mainstream media, Reverend, why is every Democrat and even a small handful of Republicans, including uh, uh, Representative Turner here in, uh, in Ohio, why are they all calling him a racist for those statements? Uh, you're an African-American. Um, you're, you're, you're viewing this through a different lens. Um, and, and yet you have all of these people, most of them, I believe, racked with white guilt, are willing to proclaim, if not him an outright racist, at least those statements as racist. Why is that? You hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the phrase white guilt. I spoke about that a little bit there in Ohio over the, over the weekend. And that's one thing that uh, you as Caucasians in this country, if you happen to be a Caucasian listener, had better pay close attention to, or otherwise they will have you on the run in your own country and in a country now that has been paved and has paved the way for every other ethnicity to enjoy the fruits of liberty. These are tools that have been used, as I mentioned, for years, decades, to keep us divided. Yes, there was a time when America may not have gotten it right on race, but I defy anyone in this nation, especially people of color, to point to anything that the color of their skin would stop them from doing if, in fact, they wanted to do it. Uh, Omar, born in Mogadishu, comes to this country, brought here by her parents, and, of course, we housed, fed, clothed, and took care of them until they were able to take care of themselves. The greatest sin, in my estimation, is the sin of ingratitude. And when we look at someone who comes from her background, whose story could not have been told anywhere else on this planet but America, when you hear the type of uh, utterances that come from her mouth, the only thing that you can imagine is that she is someone who is absolutely ungrateful for the privilege of being called an American. We're talking with the Reverend C.L. Bryant from Freedom Works. Uh, he was a guest speaker and a featured speaker at the Ohio Liberty Coalition event this past, uh, uh, this past uh, Saturday. It's more than just Omar. You're right, by the way. And it's funny you mentioned that she was born in Mogadishu because on the anniversary of uh, that uh, that incredible battle that, of course, was the basis for the movie that most people learned about the battle through, which was called Black Hawk Down, on the anniversary of that last year, um, there was a, a tribute, a Twitter tribute to those who lost their lives fighting that horrendous battle. And rather than supporting that 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 um, uh, that that idea and that that you know uh, statement of compassion for the families and for those who lost their lives there ilhan omar tweeted in response to that um don't forget about the somalis who were killed 
Her allegiance wasn't toward the Americans who were killed in that terrible battle. Her allegiance was toward the Somalis, to the Somalis. So it's very And this is also the lead woman when it comes to anti-Semitic and anti-Israel statements. She talks about Palestine, and so does Rashida Tlaib, and she talks about how there is an occupation of, 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 uh, of Palestinian land. I, I mean, her, her anti-Americanism could not be more on display, uh, Reverend Bryant. And yet we're supposed to see her as the victim and the martyr because President Trump criticized her. She and the socialist squad leaders, Presley, Tlaib, Cortez, and of course Omar, are a part of a um, design to affect the uninformed uh, voters in this country. Those who uh, understand that there is a booming nation right now under the uh, leadership of this president with jobs being the way they are uh it is absolutely phenomenal what's going on in america yet these two women cortez and omar in particular Mm -hmm. when asked would they condemn the attempted bombing by antifa in tacoma washington of an ice facility they did not say anything don't tell me how much you love America. And then when you're called on to speak in defense of one organization, a federal organization that is designed to keep people out of our nation who would harm us, don't tell me you love our nation when you will not speak up for our people. However, I will say this. Their time in Congress will be short-lived. I believe that each one of them are people you can say will be one and done, and that will be good, no doubt about it. I certainly hope, according to the polling numbers, that in the swing states, and swing, and this is an internal Democrat poll, by the way, in swing districts, uh, there there appears to be a very, very uh, small approval rating for these women, and and it's just staggering to me that uh, there is any support for them at all. But but let's take this a little further now and talk about um, uh, Nancy Pelosi as we go back to the issue of race. Uh, prior to the president's tweets, the primary story here involving these women was their battle with Nancy Pelosi because they called her a race as well because Nancy Pelosi dared to criticize them for their votes against the border funding to provide relief for what they called the horrific um, concentration camp-like conditions for the you know tens of thousands of people who continue to flood our border because they won't change the, uh, the asylum uh, laws. But they voted against the funding. Nancy Pelosi condemned them for it, and they said, how dare you condemn women of color? It is constantly the skin color and the ethnicity that is the political defense for people like these four. The 60 years of Democrats using people of color as mascots has finally brought their chickens home to roost. And the monster that they have created with the entitlement uh, programs and the perpetual welfare, welfare state that the great society of Lyndon Johnson did in fact produce among people of color, lower-income people of color in this country, is turning on them. Uh, finally, even though they're not expressing it in this way, the mascots are turning on their masters. And that is one of the things that I, uh, oddly, will say is a good thing, because this Frankenstein is coming in the form of uh, w- uh, women of color, as they are called, it's the strangest thing to me. If you were to call them colored women, 
you would be <laughs> crucified to a cross. I think that in my head, Reverend, all the time. I would never dare say it out loud, but I think that all the time. Women of color, person of color is okay, but colored person is, oh, my goodness. I don't get that, but please continue. And and that is the way that uh, the entire history of our nation can be changed. You don't have to change the history books in order to change our nation. You just change the definition, and we've just uh, basically given an example of, of that. But what is happening, Nancy Pelosi is a very savvy politician who has lost control of her party. And uh, it's amazing that she's done it because never before has a speaker left a seat as far as Speaker of the House and then regained that seat. She's the first person in history to accomplish that. She's a very savvy politician, but she does not know what to do when it comes to the race card. And Americans, I am saying to you, that is exactly the situation that they want to put all of us in. And amazingly, those who are not racist are the people who are, in fact, most frightened by the word. Because racists, they don't care if you call them a racist, because they're racist, and they don't care. But they have a straitjacket on most of America who have no racist attitude whatsoever and don't let them use that tool because it will be a crippling tool to the rest of us if they are successful reverend cl Bryan is my guest from freedom works uh, every bit as dynamic and brilliant as i was told he would be uh, i really appreciate you coming on last thing before you go let me go back to pelosi again and not about the fight with the four horsewomen of the apocalypse this time but her statement prior to that that president trump's uh border policies and his asylum or the asylum policies he seeks to implement which of course would include uh making someone who uh comes from a third country traveling through a second country to get to this country must request asylum in that nation first she claims all of these things are an attempt to quote make america white again uh this is more than just uh, condemning a trump tweet as racist saying he flat out doesn't want any more brown or black people coming to this country how do you respond to that the emotionalism of skin color and that's a very shallow sea that we travel on when we talk about this shallow sea of color if i were the devil i would certainly want to use skin color to keep them divided because there is nothing that any of us can do about that except be emotionally attached to it and Nancy Pelosi is playing that card very well. But I will say this. All of the achievement that people of color, colored people, however you want to call them, that have been achieved, all of the advances that have been achieved in this nation has been achieved under our American flag. And it has been achieved understanding that we, along with European whites and everyone else, who have come to this nation from other places. We may have come here as immigrants, but we are Americans now. And there is something that we must protect as Americans. We were a nation of immigrants. Now we are a nation of Americans, red, yellow, black, and white. And Pelosi should be ashamed of herself for trying to use something as shameless as a statement of making America white again to divide us. I believe we're seeing through it, and I certainly hope that we overcome the diabolical plan to keep America divided. And thank you so much 
for having me on here today. It is an honor, sir. Uh, I know you are listed as a motivational speaker. I buy that because I am motivated just listening to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope we can chat again. We will. Bye now. Thank you so much. There is uh, Reverend C.L. Brown. I almost called him congressman. I'm not going to elect a guy to Congress yet. Although I wish he was in government. People like this are, need to be need to be in high positions of leadership. No question about it. But the Reverend C.L. Bryant from Freedom Works, really appreciate that. I told you we were loaded. We had Congressman Jordan. We got C.L. Bryant coming up at 1035. John Cardillo from Newsmax TV as well. Let's try to squeeze in a call or two in the next segment coming up here on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, uh, just one minute uh, in this segment, so we won't have time to take calls after all. I want to clarify something, though, uh, that I said in my statement, or in my uh, conversation, rather, a statement I made in my conversation with Reverend Bryant the last segment, and that is to quote uh, Ilhan Omar. Um, what she said when referencing the Battle of Mogadishu uh, was far worse than what I had said. Um, and, and I want to quote this exactly here. Bear with me for a second because now I've got to pull it back up. I just, I just seem to have lost it. Um, but what, what Ilhan Omar, here it is. She was referring to the Battle of Mogadishu, and she was uh, responding to a tweet that somebody else put out there about the deaths of uh, the American and injuries uh, and wounds to, to the American soldiers in that battle in Somalia. And her response to the, the tweet about American deaths and prayers for them was to attack American soldiers instead, saying, quote, In his selective memory, he forgets to also mention the thousands of Somalis killed by the American forces that day. Exclamation point. Hashtag not today, Satan. That was a direct Ilhan Omar tweet from October of 2017. She called America Satan. She lied, by the way, and claimed that thousands of Somalis were killed by the American forces that day. This woman flat out hates America. And that is exactly why the President of the United States was right to tell her, if you hate it so much, just leave. It's not about race. It is about patriotism. It is about sense of country, sense of honor. She hates this place so much, get out. John Cardillo joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-five. as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Just 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this edition of The Authority. Great guests all day long. As I told you, we would have Congressman Jim Jordan joined us in the first hour. The Reverend C.L. Bryant from Freedom Works was terrific last half hour. And coming up now... Both the squad and President Trump doubled down against one another on the attacks. Now, this all comes after the president said, if these four women don't like this country, they can leave. Now, of course, we know that... Outside of Ilhan Omar, the other three were born here. Omar is now a U.S. citizen, and, and they have nowhere to go back to. But that's Donald Trump, tongue-in-cheek. And he's right, because being American isn't only a, about citizenship. It's about an ideology, about a pride. If these people hate America so badly, they're free to move to Canada, to Nicaragua, to Somalia, to China, to North Korea. 
And that is exactly correct. That is the voice of our next guest, John Cardillo, who is the host of America Talks Live on Newsmax Television each and every afternoon at 2 o'clock. Uh, I usually DVR it, and I can't watch it until the night. And I uh, watched it last night, and I immediately, after listening to uh, John deconstruct the squad, I said, John, you got to come on and share this with our audience. And he was kind enough to come back and join us from South Florida. John Cardillo, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Always great to be with you, Bob. Thanks for the invite. John, um... You did a really great expose at the beginning of your hour yesterday on Ilhan Omar and her litany and her history of hate speech toward either America, Americans, or Jews and Israel, of course, uh, uh, one of our most staunch and important allies, particularly as the only ally we really have in the Middle East. Um, she, she is, she's just out there in plain sight. I mean, it's barely even masked at all her contempt for this country and for our allies. How is she managing to claim victory? status now that President Trump has called her out for all of it and said, if you hate it so much, go back to your home country, try to fix Somalia, the broken state that it is, before you tell us how to run this country, which is already working. You know, it's, it's really the far left base, Bob. Yeah, I had a Facebook debate yesterday with a guy I know. Well, he's a friend of a friend. He's very far left mm-hmm. about this. And I said, look, you guys can figure out a way to, to excuse the inexcusable, to defend the indefensible. So I pointed to the 2016 incident where Ilhan Omar begged the judge for leniency, begged the judge for leniency for nine ISIS fighters. The left contorts that. They well begging for leniency for converts who didn't yet commit terror attacks. Well, that's not the same as actually supporting real ISIS fighters. It's different. It's different. Now, Here's what's important. Let me read you and your, your audience a portion of her letter that shows just how supportive of terror she is. Okay. This is a portion of her letter to the judge back in 2016 on behalf of nine ISIS fighters. Quote, a long-term prison sentence for one who chose violence to combat direct marginalization is a statement that our justice system misunderstands the guilty. So in other words, it's the justice system and America who misunderstand radical Islamic terror, they're simply fighting marginalization. We have a sitting member of Congress that excuses terror in a letter to the judge, Bob, and we and she does it. It's in plain sight. We go back to 1998, Maxine Waters, then chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, wrote Fidel Castro a letter begging him not to extradite cop killer and FBI most wanted terrorist Joanne Chesmart. This is the American left. They put it on paper, and their base still says, don't believe your lion eyes. Let's take that a step further, John Cardillo, host of America Talks Live on Newsmax TV. Um, and take her, let's take it to 2017 now. I was just, just, just discussing this with Reverend Bryant. And I want to get your thoughts on this, too, because you referenced yesterday the Battle of Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down, yeah. uh, on your program, mm-hmm. uh, in which 19 Americans were killed and 73 were wounded um, in this uh, terrible, terrible battle as we were there on a, on, a, on a humanitarian mission, essentially. So 19 Americans lost their lives, 73 were wounded uh, in, that, uh, in that infamous battle. And it was referenced by, I can't recall who wrote the original tweet, but was basically saying, you know, let's pay respect to, I think it was the anniversary of the uh, of the battle. Yes, it and it was, let's pay respect yeah. to, um, uh, you know, those who lost their lives there, these Americans. 
Ilhan Omar responded to that tweet with, quote, in his selective memory, he forgets to also mention the thousands of Somalis killed by the American forces that day, exclamation point. Hashtag, not today, Satan. John, she literally, first of all, she lied. There weren't thousands of Somalis killed. Second of all, she, rather than joining the, the, the memory and the commemoration of the event of the loss of these American lives in a country that she now calls home, and at the time, I believe she was still a state senator in, uh, in Minnesota, rather than, than following up and supporting the lost lives and the families and so on and so forth, she calls them murderers and calls America Satan. This is the woman that Donald Trump has attacked or has essentially responded to her attacks, and she is the one that America is rallying around right now? She hates the United States of America, John. It's even worse, Bob. It's even worse. So we talk about things she said, things she's written in letters, things she's put on Twitter, posted on Twitter. Let's talk about a vote she cast while she was in the Minnesota House of Representatives. Back around the same time of that tweet, just after she begged for leniency for the ISIS fighters, a vote came up in the Minnesota Senate that would have banned life insurance payments to the beneficiaries of terrorists who carried out attacks on American soil. She was one of two members to vote against it. The other guy was a libertarian of the far left, but he called himself somewhat libertarian. He voted against it because he voted against any bill that tried to regulate business. So his was a... They knew what he was going His wasn't an ideological vote. It was more procedural, and that he didn't want government intruding into business in any way. She voted based on ideology. One of two votes. The bill passed overwhelmingly. It was signed in a law. But she was actually pro paying life insurance benefits to the beneficiaries of radical Muslim terrorists who kill Americans on American soil. So we've got a vote while she's an elected member of the Minnesota House. We have a letter to a judge. We have her statements on video. Some people did something on 9-11. We have her tweets. And we have her speaking alongside CARE, the Council for American Islamic Relations, which is a Hamas and Muslim Brotherhood front group. That's all CARE is. Around the world, it's treated as a terror organization. Here, under Obama, they were invited to the White House. She also is speaking uh, this next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday So CARE is a sponsor and a group called Muslim Advocates sponsor. Muslim Advocates is a group that exists for one reason, to shut down terror investigations by law enforcement and the intelligence community, to eliminate the confidential informant programs in mosques. I was intimately familiar with that program in NYPD. It yielded actionable intelligence that saved many lives. These are her allies, her allies. CARE Florida, she's spoken alongside CARE Florida one of the most radical chapters. Care Florida sponsors a mosque. Your listeners won't know this. They're going to be very interested. In Miramar, Florida, the suburb just outside of both Fort Lauderdale and Miami, a little west but equidistant. On the plot of land the mosque owns, the mosque subsidized directly by Care Florida, is a home where the mother of a guy named Adnan al-Shukri Juma lives. He was a 9-11 mastermind. He was one of bin Laden's top deputies, He was also the guy that planned the failed attack on the New York City subway system. He was killed in Pakistan by their military or special operators a few years back. But this is who CARE Florida is. Ilhan Omar embraces them. She speaks alongside them. It is indisputable that this woman supports terror. Indisputable. 
That is amazing. Uh, that is a lot of evidence. And again, this is what we're looking for here. We're looking for evidence. We're looking for evidence that the president perhaps was not condemning a woman because of her skin color or her ethnicity, not did, not condemning any one of the four because of what they look like or where they come from, but because of their anti-American actions and statements. And because of that, he has been branded a racist. In fact, even four Republicans joined the Democrat. Oh, I think we just lost John's phone line. Uh, let's see if we can get him back on the air, please, because it just dropped. I could kind of tell with the static that we might have a bad signal there, and it looked like it finally dropped. But um, but back to the point, um, uh, with respect to the, the president's comments about them, the president made very direct statements about what they have said. There's a massive list of all of the anti-American and anti-Israeli, anti-Jew, anti-Semitic, to summarize that, statements by these individuals, and they can't be condemned for those things because of their color. And if you attack them, you are attacking not those statements, not those anti-American terrorist supporting or terrorists sympathizing at the very least um, uh, statements. You are attacking them because of their color. This is the problem. And this is what the Democrats know all too well, that they can weaponize skin color and ethnicity. They can weaponize it and make sure that it, uh, that, uh, it is used as a, a defense, a shield, a suit of armor. And the way Barack Obama did so expertly, if you condemn any policy advanced by Obama, you just don't want to have a black president. If you condemn any policy or suggestion or proposal made by the squalid, I mean the squad, the jihad squad, well, you just don't like having uh, you know these women of color uh, making decisions in the United States Congress. The use of race and color and ethnicity and foreign languages and so on and so forth as a tool has got to be exposed. Fortunately, there are people out there doing exactly that, including uh, Senator John Kennedy, who called all of them out today, not worried at all, was Senator John Kennedy, about the uh, optics of of condemning and criticizing these quote-unquote women of color. He called them for what they are, communist, whack jobs, who quite simply uh, are the reason why there are instructions on a shampoo bottle. That's what Senator John Kennedy said on Fox today, which is just simply brilliant. Yes, they are that dumb. Yes, they really don't, you know, uh, uh, they, they really uh, do need that kind of assistance. Uh, and he's not concerned about their, their skin color and using it as a, as a self-defense mechanism. All right. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to reestablish this contact with John Cardillo. So let me use this as a timeout because I want to come back and tell you why. I called them the four horsewomen of the apocalypse online yesterday and why John Kennedy used that line today to be quoted by the President of the United States on his Twitter feed today as well. Why are we calling them the four horsewomen of the apocalypse? I'll explain that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 10.50. I will get to the four horsemen explanation or four horsewomen in a moment, but we did reestablish our connection with John Cardillo, who is on a landline now. No crashing coming now. John, are you there? I am back, Bob. Sorry about that. That's all right, my friend. I'm glad we got you back on the line. All right, I, I, I want to follow up and finish up really here by asking you um, how this plays out from here. You're a political scientist or a student of political science anyway. 
Um, does this help the Democrats, this battle that they have, this show vote yesterday with the uh, condemnation of the president's tweets as being racist? Or does it help the president more uh, to, to be so willing to call these people out and deal with the allegations of racism and bigotry that are coming? How does this play out in 2020? Oh, I think it helps Trump. But I'm not saying that I'm a Trump supporter. I think it helps Trump more because most Americans, even your institutional blue dog Democrats, those blue-collar people, a lot of Ohioans, right? The guys out there swinging hammers, working on the road. Maybe they voted Democrat, but they still had our flag on their hard hat. They don't identify with Ilhan Omar. And they hear Donald Trump calling out people that hate America. They're not looking at the D or the R. If you look at uh, a recent, I read a Reuters uh, uh, article this morning where Trump's approval has risen 5% among Republicans after the tweet but it hasn't really changed among independents at NPA. However, Democrats only see, you saw that Axios poll the other day, they yeah. only see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 22% favorably, Ilhan Omar 9% favorably. Now you've got Nancy Pelosi marrying herself to that faction. If you notice, Chuck Schumer's been very smart on the Senate side. He's kind of stayed quiet about this and out of the fray because he knows his district in New York, heavily Jewish district, Ilhan Omar's rhetoric, they're liberal. But, man, they're pro-Israel, and Ilhan Omar's rhetoric not going to play. So I think the first Democrats, look, if they go down this road, we could conceivably pick the House back red on 2020. I hope that is the case. I, I, my, my concern, though, is the, the sympathy factor, the victimhood factor. That's why they love playing the victim. We know there's serious power in that among woke Americans. Oh, my gosh, he condemned these women of color. He's a racist. So even if that number right now stood at 22% and 9%, will it not rise because of victimhood? People see them as martyrs. Well, here's the problem, right? For them, for the Dems, mm-hmm. her district is her district. AOC's district is AOC's district. These are heavily Democratic districts. So an interesting, little interesting data point about, about Ilhan Omar. The popular narrative on social media is it's all the Somalis that Obama imported that elected Ilhan Omar. That's not true. 63% of her voters were white liberals from Minnesota. There were only, she, she took 280,000 votes in her election. There were only 30,000 eligible Somali immigrants there. There are only like 50,000 who live there, 100,000 who live there. She was elected by your traditional American liberal. So they're always going to vote for these people. But I think they lose the independents and the non-party affiliated who want to talk about the economy. Uh, Peter Thiel said something interesting. <clears throat> he said Elizabeth Warren is the most dangerous Democrat because she's the only one talking about the economy, which matters. And I tend to agree with him. Everybody else heard about identity politics. She's understanding that you got to be somewhat substantive. So I think the identity politics is going to be a killer for the Dems in, in 2020. I hope you're right. I, I, I really do. I'm a little bit worried about, uh, you know, just again, is centrists or moderates or individuals who maybe held their nose and voted for Trump last time won't do it this time because of the blatant false narrative. You and I know this, and everybody who's paying attention knows he is not a racist. But if that is, you, you know, there's, there's an old line. Perception is reality. Even if it's not true, if people believe it to be true, it is their reality, and they will act accordingly. And I'm, a, I'm hopeful that that doesn't help the eventual Democrat nominee. I'm hopeful that most of this just washes away within the 
span of a normal two-week news cycle. Uh, but uh, you can already see ads being made. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, co- condemning the president for not wanting people of color to stay in this country and so on and so forth. So that's my only concern about it, John. Although there's a great RNC ad you probably already saw this morning, right? All they're doing is letting them talk, playing clips of these four with all of their radical anti-American and anti-Semitic statements. It's a minute, 17 seconds long of just them hanging themselves, if you will, yeah. metaphorically speaking. And that's probably going to help the president, too. Yeah, listen, I uh, I tweeted yesterday. I was historically very critical. You and I got in a few debates about it, of the establishment RNC under Reince Priebus. Mm-hmm. I could not be happier with the current comm shop at the RNC. The woman who put a lot of those ads together, Liz Harrington, and she's often on my show. She's uh, the national spokeswoman. Cassie Smedley is the press secretary, and they've got a great comms director over there now, Mike Aherns. They are doing phenomenal work, better work than I've seen come out of the RNC in years. This is also, I'm, I'm with you, Bob. This is going to blow over. Remember, we still haven't seen the Inspector General's report on the FISA buying. So that's going to be the big news story when that drops, and that's going to be dropping within the next couple of weeks at the outset. And so this is a very short-lived story in the news cycle. It's going to be forgotten about by 2020, by November La- 2020. Last thing, real quick, John. Uh, did, did this... Yeah. I saw a really just a uh, goofy little uh, uh, political cartoon, you know, editorial cartoon. A uh, little kid asking dad, dad, why are they calling the president a racist? And dad's response was, because Bill Clinton took 26 trips down to Jeffrey Epstein's island of, uh, of debauchery. Uh, did that, how fast did that get bumped out of the news cycle, right? I mean, this really did. They, they, they found something to try to protect their, their, their hero. Oh, yeah, look, and one of the reasons it bumped out of it is that the civil attorney, for Epstein's victims, a guy named Brad Edwards, I know Brad for years, he was a prosecutor down in Broward County, he was on local news here saying how the only person that ever helped him was Donald Trump. <laughs> the only person, the only guy that knew anything about any of this who ever helped you was Donald Trump. Brad told me that in 2009. Two FBI agents who worked that case told me that in 2009. Trump hated Epstein. They tried to marry Trump to Epstein, but the evidence was overwhelming. The lawyers the FBI agents who were retired were coming out saying, no, no, no. Donald Trump hated that guy. He was one of the most helpful witnesses to us in that case. So they had to kill that story. Also, look, they raided Epstein's house, right, in New York. Yeah. Remember something. I want your, your, your listeners to know this. Epstein was only indicted on two counts so far. The FBI is still going through thousands of photos and videos. If those have underage kids in them, which they appear to, each of those, each of those, Bob, carries an additional 15 to 30 year sentence. Epstein is looking at hundreds, if not thousands of years in prison. I think a lot of prominent Democrats or allies of Democrats are going to be implicated in this. They needed to bury that story. John Cardillo, host of uh, America Talks Live, uh, weekdays at 2 p.m. I always DVR You can do that as well. Watch it when it's convenient for you if you're at work at that time. But watch it indeed on Newsmax Television. Uh, John Cardillo, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Always a pleasure. Take you care. got it, my friend. Thanks thanks so much. Look forward to it. Uh, all right. Um, we've got two minutes left. Actually, a minute and a half left here. I want to follow through on a promise that I made when I talked to you about the four horsewomen of the apocalypse. This may have become famous now because uh, President Trump retweeted uh, a statement made by John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, who, who talked about the four horsewomen of the apocalypse. I posted this on my Facebook and Twitter feeds yesterday, a picture of the four of them at their press conference, okay? Uh, and it was all, uh, that was just uh, based on somebody else that I saw commenting on it on a Facebook post. I just posted it because it was funny. 
because they do kind of signal, in, in my mind, they're the kind of the harbinger at the end of the world if these four women actually have power, right? But a, a Facebook listener, or Facebook friend of mine, I should say, and a listener named Karen Tuttle is the one who said, you know, it's a lot more than just a funny quip to call them the four horsewomen. Look at the book of Revelations, or Revelation, rather. The conquest uh, rides a white horse. Omar was wearing a white hijab. Uh, war rides a, a red horse, talking about the four horsemen, rides a red horse. Um, Ayanna Presley is wearing a red dress. Famine rides a black horse. Ocasio-Cortez is wearing a black dress. And Plague rides a pale horse. And Rashida Tlaib is wearing a light tan jacket. They literally represented all four colors of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just goofy coincidence, but I find that eerie. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the next Bob France Authority. Have a good Enjoy one. the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.